0: Too many mistakes cost the Hawks the win in Philly.
1: Every turnover is costly. Uh, You just, you can't, you can't shoot yourself in the foot like that, that many times.
0: Welcome into the Hawks Report. I'm Daniel Salerson. On today's podcast, Hawks beat reporter Lauren Williams will share her thoughts on a tough week for Atlanta, as they went one in three since we last spoke. We'll also take your mailbag questions. You can follow Lauren on Twitter, at WilliamsLaurenL. The Hawks lost on Monday night to the Philadelphia 76ers 104-101. Gabe Burns will help me break it down next on the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
1: The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluesteak, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.
0: Atlanta has now lost three in a row after Monday's loss to Philadelphia. The Hawks got off to a great start despite being on a back-to-back, outscoring the Sixers 34-23 in the first quarter. It came down to the final few minutes of the fourth, where Trey Young and the squad couldn't come up with some big plays at the end.
2: They made they made a few shots. Um, they got uh, Joelle got going late in the game, and uh, I mean they just really they really just uh, kept going. What was working and um, Joel just made, made a few more shots.
0: Head coach Nate McMillan did mention the turnovers playing a huge role in the loss. The team turned the ball over 19 times, including seven in the final 12 minutes. There was some good to take away from the ball game. Six players scored in double figures with Young and DeAndre Hunter leading the way with 18 points. The team also dished out 26 assists. Even though it's a three game losing streak, Coach McMillan remained positive after the loss.
1: We showed up to play and uh, I like our effort. Uh, we just uh, had some bad execution down the stretch and uh, you know, that played a part in us losing this game. So. Uh, you know, go down to Orlando and try to make this a 500 trip.
0: Our own Gabe Burns was at the Wells Fargo Center for Monday's game. Hey, Gabe, what did you see tonight in the Hawks' loss to the 76ers?
1: Yeah, look, the offense looked pretty good in the first half. They were up four at half. You know, Philly made a little run there at the end, but, you know, the end of the third quarter it was tied at 81, and it came down to who could execute when it mattered, and the Hawks couldn't. The last few possessions, you have a couple turnovers. You have a couple missed threes. It just looks out of sync. And that's just the way things are going for this team right now. They cannot figure out how to finish these games. 19 turnovers. I mean, they're just – they're shooting themselves in the foot. And Trey expressed confidence that they're going to get this figured out. I think they will, too. I, you know, Obviously, I don't think this is a bad team. There's just too much talent here. But it's definitely a frustrating stretch when you have these three games that were all winnable and you're up double digits in each of them and you just can't close and you can't figure this out. They've got Orlando next. The Magic are kind of a weird team. They're not very good, but, you know, some of these young teams can be dangerous at points, but this sets up well for one of those get-right games, and the Hawks desperately need it. They need to put together four quarters. They need to take good care of the ball. We'll see if they can do it here. You know, Capella and Hunter are fine now. This is a really big opportunity for them on Wednesday.
0: Atlanta wraps up the road trip on Wednesday night in Orlando against the Magic. Tip-off is set for 7 p.m. Don't forget to check out the Hawks after the game pages in the AJCE paper and online at AJC.com, which is only available if you subscribe at subscribe.AJC.com slash podcast. All right, let's get things going. Take it away, Lauren.
2: All right. Daniel, thank you so, 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 so much for that recap of tonight's game against the Sixers. I mean, obviously, I'm not there on the ground today. I won't be there on the ground on Wednesday when they face the Magic, but we still have a lot to talk about. The Hawks are 1-3 and since we chatted with you guys last week, Monday, or last week, Tuesday. And I have to say, this team just looks like they're in complete disarray. I mean, I just... That loss on Friday night to the Rockets, I, I think was pretty frustrating for a lot of us. Um, I mean, the loss to Cleveland last Monday, you can kind of chalk that up to Cleveland. They're just a the better team. They were the hotter three-point shooting team. They had both of their bigs in Evan Mobley and Jared Allen on the floor. Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland were just hot all around. And they had a really awesome guy in Lamar Stevens. Whereas the loss to the Rockets... Who rank 15th in the Western Conference is a rebuilding franchise, and there's just a lot of inexperience on that roster. There's no reason that they should have, obviously, minus the Hawks not having Capella, there was no reason for the Hawks to have fallen to them. What was it, 120, 128 120? 128
0: to 122.
2: Exactly. I mean, the Hawks had control of that game heading into the fourth quarter. And it was almost as if the defense just decided to completely shut down. And I think, you know, looking back on it, the turning point was that little dust up against, you know, Murray, Young, DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, Jalen Green, and Jabari Smith. And that just lit a fire uh, in the Rockets' behinds. And, you know, they closed it out. So I think... The big thing is that you could tell that both Trey Young and DeJounte Murray were really feeling themselves in those second, third quarters. I mean, the Hawks were able to come back from that, giving up, what was it, 31 points in the first quarter and really take a 10 point lead into the fourth. And it kind of became a I'm going to get mine show in that fourth quarter. Um, One assist for that entire 12-minute period. And the Hawks end up going, like, what, four for something from the floor without getting A.J. Griffin, who had hit at least three straight threes in the first quarter, and then Hunter and Collins involved. Like, you have to move the ball. And I know that we talk a lot about this team needing to move off the ball a lot better, particularly Collins. But he's obviously better when he has the ball in in his hands and if the Rockets are now targeting both you Trey Young and you DeJounte Murray because you guys have dropped 30 plus points through the first three quarters that should be a sign that you should get the rest of your teammates involved and get the the Rockets defense off balance so I remember sitting in Houston just being completely stunned with how much things fell apart in the fourth quarter I mean, Daniel, what were what were your thoughts when you were watching that game from the TV?
0: Yeah, I was pulling out whatever hair I had left on my head out <laughs> when I was watching it. But the thing that really stuck out to me and you kind of pointed it out is you have a Rockets team that is very inexperienced, but has nothing to lose. So they're playing every game as if whatever happens, happens. We know we're rebuilding, but we're learning and growing with each game because they have a lot of great young talent, but they just haven't played a lot of basketball games in their career. And that's what showed up in that fourth quarter. You mentioned the little scuffle that kind of sparked the Rockets. I think it cooled down the Hawks in a sense where they got so comfortable and with what how they're playing right now, they should not be getting comfortable with any lead. And no one in the NBA should get comfortable with any lead because we've seen before how many 20-point comebacks, how many 10-point comebacks can happen so quickly in the NBA. So when I was watching that and I kind of thought the same thing is maybe the, the two guards were thinking, all right, One's got 44 points, one's got 39. Can we both get to 40? How can we, you know, pad our stats with also keeping, you know, the team winning? And it just didn't really happen. I thought, you mentioned the one assist in 12 minutes. 14 assists total in a game is not a recipe for winning basketball. You're not going to win any game if you're only having 14 assists on 39 made field goals. And even in the game last night, I should say, Sunday night, against the Heat. Yeah, Miami, you had 24 assists, but Trey had 14 of those 24. So you're, the other 12 guys that played or eight guys that played had 10 total. So it's a bit concerning that if this pass first or this, I shouldn't say pass first, they're not pass first point guards, but these, <laughs> this backcourt that is saying that, oh, not only can we score, but we can, we both average over eight, nine assists a game. What's going to be the problem
1: mm-hmm. is turning
0: into a problem. And I think think. that's what's showing up in these in these late game situations that they're getting comfortable leads or they're getting leads and they don't know how to close things out. And I don't Mm -hmm. think they're really looking after one another as much as you'd like to see.
2: For sure. I think one of the big things that has stuck with me through this season is that Nate McMillan mentioned that analytically 25 assists, you know, has been a, a recipe for success throughout you know much of the the NBA, and and that's the goal that this team should be striving for is at least twenty five assists. And and sure, there have been nights where they've crossed that twenty five assist threshold, but you'd obviously like to see them them do that a lot more consistently. And I believe um, you know the Hawks are what averaging just twenty three point seven assists per game through their first twenty games. That's definitely not 25 assists. And I think, to be fair, we've seen that Murray has kind of, DeJounte Murray has kind of fallen into a little bit of a slump. And that Houston game really looked like it was going to be kind of that spark that got him out of it. And then they faced the Heat, which is a, a much more experienced defensive team than the Rockets. And he's kind of fallen back a little bit. And so, obviously, you know, he still has some things that, He needs to figure out as far as working with with Trey Young and the rest of this offense. But you definitely want to see these guys get their teammates involved a little bit more. I mean, I think we're starting to kind of see that a little bit with DeAndre Hunter. We're seeing a little less of that iso ball when it's you know, when he gets the ball in his hands. We've seen him do a couple of driving kicks, which is what you would love to see because of the power that he has in terms of collapsing the defense inside of the paint obviously we want to see this team start to hit more threes but they've made what like 11 threes or 10 or more threes in the last three games which to me Trent says that they're trending in the right direction especially once they get Bogdan Bogdanovich back but I think the fact that this team has gone one in three is definitely Not necessarily the time to panic, but it does, as you mentioned, raise concerns about whether they have the right recipe to actually get to the playoffs and, you know, maybe even a championship um, appearance. So until we see that ball movement happening consistently, I think it's going to be a consistent theme that we're going to see them get annihilated by teams that are a lot better than them. I mean, Miami's record is definitely nothing that you would necessarily sniff at, but we know that Miami is a team that will attack you in every sense of the word. So I don't know. I I think that fans are rightfully frustrated with what they've seen over the last week, especially because you want to see these guys moving off the ball, particularly Trey Young, who, you know, the whole point of bringing Dejounte Murray in is to bring in that secondary secondary ball handler, so that a lot of the pressure doesn't fall on Trey. They're supposed to be this pick your poison offense, and only a handful of times do I think we've seen that.
0: Yeah, I think the way to describe this team right now is they have the talent to be one of the top teams in the East and compete with the top teams in the East. They've seen them beat Milwaukee twice. They have beat Philadelphia. Yeah, things didn't go so well against Boston, but you still have a couple more cracks at them too. But they also look like a team that's going to be a middle-of-the-road Eastern Conference team that may not get out of the first round. So the question that we've tried to figure out in the first couple months here is, which team is it? Because they've been alternating wins and losses since November 7th, except for these last two losses, where now they've lost two in a row. So you've seen... The great wins you snap the Kings seven game winning streak at home you've seen a horrific loss to the Houston Rockets like you, those are the games you can lose and I know some teams have one of those nights that wasn't one of those nights you had a great lead and you and you blew it so I think they have to figure out themselves who they want to be and if they want to be that team that makes a run if they want to be a team that goes deep then I think they have to kind of look at each other and go how can we get this done And I know people talk about Nate McMillan, but this is the same coach that did take this team to the Eastern Conference Finals when Lloyd Pierce was fired in the middle of the year. But is he getting to the players? Are the players tuning him out? Is this the right mix of players? You've seen the trade rumors again with John Collins. He played a great game uh, against the Heat, but he also was in a little bit of a different role because he felt like he had to step up and be that guy that got the rebounds. He was aggressive. He said it last night that I had to kind of fill fill in for for CC and, and get those rebounds, which he did with the fourteen. But what happens when he goes back to the four and Clint Capilla shows up? Does he go back to struggling to grab rebounds, struggling to score? The talent is there, like we mentioned. And when you get Bogey back, they're pretty deep one through seven or one through eight. Cause a Congo's gonna have to come off the bench, Bogey's gonna have to come off the bench. But also a, a kind of a telling sign as I'm kind of going all over the place here is when you throw in Trent Forrest last night or Sunday night, you play Frank Kaminsky a little bit, Nate's not trusting that bench at all. And so where do they go from there? That's the big question, I I guess.
2: I I guess that what I would say is I'm going to push back a little bit on Nate not trusting the bench, just because I do think it's a huge sign of trust that he thought Trent Forrest was ready to be tossed into a game against a team like the Heat that can give you (laughs) a lot of trouble. Right. And, and Trent did some really great things on Sunday night in that game. He made the right passes. He, he took the right shot. I mean, he, he didn't, you know, make that many, he didn't score that many points, but he was making the right moves. He found AJ. He found AJ Griffin. He found Frank Kaminsky for a couple of threes. So I think that's a huge sign of trust from Nate McMillan, that he was willing to cut minutes from, One of the guards that he has an immense amount of trust in following, you know, that poor performance against the Rockets on Friday night. But I think that goes to the next point that I'm going to bring up is that I don't think there is a lot of trust in the depth at the five. I think it is a little bit concerning that this team is a mixed bag when uh, Clint Capella has missed games um, to me, that means that they potentially need to go out and maybe find the right person to to be that backup five, even behind Okongu. I mean, Sunday night wasn't necessarily Okongu's best night. He did a much better job against the Rockets on Friday night. But, you know, when you have him and John together, that that's still a pretty decent front court that you can can rely on in those starter minutes. I didn't think... That, you know, what we saw in the beginning of the game with Okongu and and John Collins together was that much concerning. Where I got a little concerned is when you have to bring in your third center and the Heat decide to attack that and take advantage of that. I believe we saw Dwayne Dedman really take advantage of that. He went six for seven from the floor on, on Sunday night and then knocked down a three after daring... <laughs> Frank Kaminsky to to contest that shot. So I think that's kind of what they need to figure out is who else can they kind of have as that, that backup backup five. So I, I don't know. This team is confounding. (laughs) They're so confusing because some nights they're absolutely amazing. And then some nights you're like, what's going on here? What's happening? So,
0: well, I guess I should say this then if, You know, we talk about other teams, and we even said at the beginning that maybe we should be patient with this team. I mean, how even us, as we talk about this, do we just become a little bit more patient because this team still has an over 500 record? There are still a lot of teams that are still trying to figure it out, like the Miami Heat are a team that's under 500 still. Maybe we're just not giving enough time. Maybe Nate is still trying to figure some things out that we thought was solidified, but we also don't know how this roster could change in the next couple of months if rumors are true that you know Collins is is going to be shipped or is you know is in talks with with other teams what haul you get back for him what kind of p- pieces do you put in place and also when is the right time for this team to be clicking you know obviously you want them to be hot going into the playoffs and so that maybe right now it's just a a learning a growing kind of a i guess not a growth spurt but you know a kind yeah. of a <laughs> a time for this team to grow with one another. So maybe we just got to kind of push back and say, all right, they're trying to figure yeah. some stuff out, but there are, I guess, some habits forming that maybe are the biggest you concerns with. Yeah, yeah. Like we're talking about the three point shooting that has improved a little bit, but still not where you want it to be. And the assist numbers are down uh, in a way that Nate wants it to improve a little bit. So maybe, I guess that's where we are right now. With Maybe we don't know where this team's at, 20 games in, even though we thought we we should have an idea by now of who this team is.
2: I mean, I think that's honestly fair, because if you look at last season with the Boston Celtics, they were absolutely atrocious until January 1st. And then they turned this huge corner and went all the way to the NBA Finals. So... Yeah, I think maybe a little, maybe we need to start showing as much patience as Nate McMillan wants his guards to show when they're trying to set things up, you know, because that's kind of what he said last night following that loss to the Heat is that he wants his guards to just take a little bit more time to make sure that they get the rest of their teammates set, get the rest of the offense set, because he's confident in the set plays that he has. And so maybe maybe that's what we need to see in order to get that those assist numbers up is a little less freestyling and a little bit more patience and a little bit more how do I put it? It's 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 like a mixture of needing them to be a little bit conservative slash aggressive. Yeah. Which is totally opposite. <laughs> I feel like They gotta meet in the middle. Yeah. There has to be a meeting in the middle and I definitely think we've seen some frustrating plays every now and then that you're like, was that what was supposed to be executed out of the timeout? I don't think so. So yeah, I, I think that when this team gets overly aggressive and then they have to pull it back, it's like they almost swing the pendulum way too far. And you're right. We need to see them start meeting in the middle somewhere of, Having good foundational set plays, but also being aggressive with how they execute those plays is kind of where my head is is at. So. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. I just, yeah, maybe we just kind of need to see a little bit more, see how these next yeah. couple of weeks, even just a week, um, mm-hmm. how they respond. And this could be a completely different team by the time we record next
2: week. For sure. I mean, coming up, we have Monday night's game against the Sixers, and I think, the Sixers are a pretty injury-riddled team right now, but hey, the Miami Heat showed us yesterday on on Sunday that that doesn't matter. They were without Jimmy Butler and you know several key rotational players, and they still took the the Hawks to task. So you know last night the Sixers also played on Sunday night, and they were without Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid, as well as several other key stars. So this could in theory be a game that the Hawks could take. Uh it just depends on whether they want to outscrap the Sixers as as Nate as has often said. He he acknowledges that they're not always the biggest team. They're not always the fastest team, but he wants his team to be a team that's outscrapping. And that's what we saw what Houston did. They outscrapped the Hawks just because, like you mentioned, they have nothing to lose. So the guys that you know this Hawks team will likely face on Monday night is going to be a team of guys who are like, we got nothing to lose, right. and, and it's going to show. So, yeah, Monday night will be interesting. Um, and then after that, they face the Orlando Magic for the second game of the season, I think, out of four. And, you know, the Magic, again just like the Rockets rebuilding team, they've got nothing to lose. They're likely a lottery team. We've seen that they have some scrappy players on that roster. So I think the the Hawks need to be a consistently aggressive team that acts like a team that doesn't have anything to lose.
0: Yeah. We'll see how they respond over, over the next week here. But yeah, I think, uh, the philly game uh, but the orlando game i think is really going to tell us because that's another team that you have to get these types of wins these are the ones you can't Mm -hmm. lose and you've been them once before it wasn't the prettiest win i would say in the but it was also the first couple games of the season where you're you're trying Mm -hmm. to figure things out as well so it'll be both teams will be a little different heading into wednesday night's game
2: for sure and with that this is the hawk support from the atlanta journal constitution
1: hip-hop is a product of black people it's a product of black song
2: Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I just want to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. It's really what helps to make all of this possible. If you aren't a subscriber, you can do so at subscribe.AJC.com podcast. And your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. So, Daniel, what time is it? It's time for the mailbag. Mailbag time.
0: This is the best part of my week is the mailbag time. Maybe not this week based on some <laughs> of the tweets, but that's okay. <laughs> you can follow Lauren on Twitter at Williams Lauren L. We've, we had a pretty amount, pretty good amount of, of tweets, so we appreciate that. I'm going to yeah. kind of condense some of them because there is one topic that we can address, but I don't want to read everyone's tweet about it. So we'll go with Drew Hawkins. At Drew Hawkins tweets, Lauren, what do you think happens first? Another roster shakeup or a head coach adjustment?
2: First of all, I just want to say that when you guys ask me to predict something, for some reason, when I put it out there, the exact opposite happens. I don't know why, but I've just noticed that. But anyway, it's hard for me to see a head coaching change or a coaching shakeup at this point in the season. Again, it's only been 20 games. We're not even fully through a quarter of the season yet. So, if anything, I would say we would see a roster shakeup before you know the rumors about John Collins being again a trade target. There, there might be some truth to that. Again, it could just be someone made the call and checked to see what the Hawks were looking for, what they're willing to bargain for for Collins. I mean, I know Bogey um, Bogdan Bogdanovich has been hurt, but. He could potentially be somebody that teams are willing to trade for. He's on an expiring contract. So that certainly makes him a little bit of an enticing target. Obviously, Clint Capella has been playing very well. It's hard to say that anybody on this team, and I actually mentioned this um, on Twitter when someone asked, but it's hard to see anyone on this team being untouchable unless your name starts with a T and ends with an E. (laughs) So I would say almost anybody could be a target. So, But to go back to the question, I see more of a roster shakeup happening before I see the front office making a coaching change.
0: Fair enough. There is a question about bogey, but I'll, I'll wait and I'll I'll get to this other one first. This one's from at Old Green Eye. Those last two losses were completely avoidable and are alarming. The mental makeup of this team—kind of what did you see? We've talked a little bit about the losses, but was yeah. it more of a, a mental
2: thing in the two losses to the Heat and the Rockets? I think it's I think it's a mixture of everything. I think you know we need to see this team again. Be aggressive. And even, I mean, Nate McMillan said it after Sunday night's game is that, he notices that when the shots aren't falling, that this team can have a tendency to kind of hang their head and get down. And so at the beginning of the season, when things were going pretty well for this team, we saw a guy like DeJounte Murray step up and and be that leader that tried to get everybody involved. And, and I will be honest, I still see him doing that, but it just doesn't seem like things are clicking as much as you would want them to click with a guy who's trying to be that leader, um, especially considering he's fallen into a shooting slump. He's still being that vocal guy on the court. He's just not being the guy that, you know, we, we're, we've we gotten used to seeing just kind of have the ball in his hands and, and score. So, yeah, I think the mental makeup of this team could certainly be better, especially on the aggressive end. We just want to see them attack more, attack the paint, especially when they have you know, somebody like Clint Capella out, who has been a huge help on the offensive boards and obviously the defensive boards. But I mean, he, I believe he's what, third in the league in offensive rebounds and and, and third or second or something like that in total rebounds. And that's partially because he's been so effective on the offensive glass. So yeah, we're going to need to see this team think about uh, getting into the paint and, and a- attacking all from all angles. I mean, I I'm I would love to see some of those three-point attempts go up as well, especially if they're the right looks. I'm not saying we want to see somebody loft the ball up when they're still like 20 seconds on the shot clock, but we still want to see them move the ball, get it, get it back out to the perimeter, keep the defense off balance. And we just haven't haven't seen that. Um so yeah, I think it's a mixture of things. We want to see them have a bit more of a team first mentality, not necessarily hesitating and passing up shots, but also, just making sure that everybody is getting a chance to eat, not just a couple of people,
0: and lastly, we want to see Bogey back on the court. So at mm-hmm. yo swipe, Lauren, my question is when what is the next milestone for Bogey to get back on the court?
2: Yeah. I was very heartened to see that he was doing some five on five work with um a couple of the players that were at the end of the bench on on Saturday. So, after practice, he he got some five-on-five work with Jarrett Culver, Justin Holliday, Veet Krejci, Frank Kaminsky, and and yeah, and some player development coaches. He was getting up and down the court, making passes, getting shots up, and and so that's definitely a huge step for him. I think the next step will be for him to be a participant in practice, which Nate McMillan said he just hasn't been doing that yet. So he's still getting some of the conditioning up. So hopefully the next milestone is we'll start seeing him actually in practice and not just doing things once everybody is done.
0: All right, good stuff and good tweets from everyone. Sorry if we weren't able to get to all of them, but again, you can tweet Lauren at Williams Lauren L. Doesn't have to be on every Monday when we're able to record, it can be throughout the week and we'll save some of your questions for the next week.
2: I actually, so a couple of questions came in um, while we were talking earlier, but one of them I thought was pretty good. Can I read it, Daniel? Do you think? You have I guess you can do my job
0: month? for me and read it yourself. <laughs> then you have to answer well, it from, yourself, though.
2: I Of course, but it's from our best friend, Spice Tray. Oh,
0: Spice Tray, friend of the program. All right, go for it. Yes.
2: Um. So he asked, can we get some insight on Nate's choice to switch up the rotations after he explicitly said he wasn't experimenting? Immediately after that quote, he bumped AJ into the rotation and then took the holidays out and played Trent Forrest. It's a good question. It is a good question. That's why I had to ask it. So I'm not going to put words into Nate McMillan's mouth, but... I'm going to assume that it was more of a poor choice of words with the word experimenting versus adapting. And and also, I think it's slightly out of necessity as well. You know, obviously, the the holidays have not been playing well as of late. And I remember uh, when the Hawks played Milwaukee a couple of weeks ago, you know, I asked Nate about what. He His thought process is when he's thinking about benching guys. And so he will never use the word bench, but he he mentioned that if other people are doing great things for the team, they're getting good production out of them, he's going to reward them with minutes. And in order to reward people with minutes, you're going to have to cut someone else's minutes. And so it's just a matter now of figuring out whose minutes get cut. And in this case we saw that it was both of the holidays whose minutes got cut. So I don't think it's necessarily that he's experimenting with the rotation, but he's making adaptations as necessary. And in this case, um, Trent Forrest has been doing great things for this team in the G League with the Skyhawks. And so McMillan said he earned those minutes. So that's kind of what it is. Same with AJ. They got really great production out of him. Following that uh, loss to Philadelphia a couple weeks ago, Justin didn't play great in that game. And so who got rewarded with more minutes? AJ Griffin. So again, I think it's more of adapting as necessary and less experimenting.
0: Fair enough. I but, think that that's yeah. a great way to end the, in the mailbag because I yeah. think that was a, a great question. So we, we appreciate spice trade for that one.
2: Oh yeah. Friend of the show.
0: Friend of the show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, guys, I'm so happy to to continue sharing those stories behind the score um you can reach out to me anytime on twitter with questions thoughts basketball related non-basketball related but with that i'm lauren williams and this is the hawks report from the atlanta journal constitution